Welcome to the Lion's Roar Dharma Center podcast from Dona Darge Temple. This public talk by Lama Yeshe Jinpa was recorded during a regularly scheduled Sunday morning service. This month continues to be uh, Sagadawa. This is, uh, uh, we could say, the holy month of uh, Buddha Dharma, um, where the practice we do uh, in this full moon period uh, started, I think, June 5th, uh, and then going to July 2nd, very auspicious. <clears throat> so the idea is the positive uh, qualities we generate in meditation times uh, 100,000. <laughs> so uh, uh, whether we believe that to be a metaphoric number or not, it is nice to have a month where we intensify our practice. <clears throat> so because of this, we did our Mahamudra and Dzogchen retreat uh, starting uh, off and then uh, will be, uh, some sense, ending uh, with my birthday next Sunday. And then maybe we'll do some closing on, uh, uh, you know, first, second, something like that, okay? <clears throat> and then also I'll be going over on my birthday further details about the Buddha Dharma study program. <clears throat> so... Uh, some people say, well, I want it all typed up. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe we should because I had a stack of books here and then people took a picture of it and sent it all around and then, okay, those are the books. But true, those are some of the books, but they weren't in order. <laughs> so um, I like eagerness, but uh, we'll go over the order. So maybe, uh, you know, Patty, my Dharma secretary, can help me uh, type that up tomorrow, right? We can do that. Yeah. So then Monday night, since I'm here um, two nights and we're not doing Lotus Sutra, then uh, I can start giving uh, introductory lectures on uh, the first uh, text we're looking at, uh, Nargajuna's Root Verses of the Middle Way. <coughs> Now, some people here um, aren't going to be taking the program, but you could benefit from listening anyway. <laughs> so uh, we shouldn't be thinking, well, I'm not taking the program, so I'm not going to listen. Uh, people that are doing the program, uh, yes, that's the book. Jay Garfield's, yeah, I'll hold it up. Yeah, there. So that, turn that way, yeah. So it has Nargajina with the snakes, the Nagas coming out the back, right? So. Uh, the root verses. So the Buddha Dharma study program, the people are taking it for credit, of course, then they have to take a, a, a test and they have to write essays and they have to meet with me. And But just auditing, it's fine. But for people that want to hear the lectures and even people taking the program maybe benefit Monday nights, something like that. But I'll try to make it general enough but uh, for... Um, people coming for the first time. But uh, now I'm getting old, I'll be 66, so I don't need to give introductory lectures anymore. You have that already, right? This isn't the first time Buddhism has hit America. So there are many books. We have people giving talks on Sunday also, right? So uh, 
I don't need to say um, meditate, be nice. <laughs> you, know, like you already know that, okay? So uh, uh, that's, uh, that wouldn't be the best use of my time, right? So uh, uh, then I uh, say, well, it's over my head or something. Then I don't think so, but uh, then you know, participate in the other courses and uh, the other days we have here. In any case, I've said many times over the years that if you're not doing uh, real meditation, if you're not sitting, you know, we say sitting on your cushion doing the training, uh, a lot of what you read and particularly what I say won't make any sense. Or it'll be like reading a menu or reading a cookbook, but you're not eating the meal. So, uh, of course, we have to study we have to learn some terminology, you have to work directly with the intellect, that study, but then we have to do completely uh, non-discursive, uh, complete non-mediated, unmediated meditation all the way from shamatha to dzogchen. So uh, it's difficult even to do the shamatha practice, the tranquility practice without the concentration, without the stability, without the equanimity, without the strength of attention, um, you're not going to be able to work through the different levels. Since Mahamudra and Dzogchen, the highest teachings, uh, are completely open uh, and simple, uh, if you've been doing the meditation practice, you would have realized it by now, right? So, uh, we have to do a lot of practice to prepare to get the uh, pointing out instructions from a teacher like me and then to develop the uh, uh, ability to uh, stay with the practice, to develop the confidence. Staying with the practice means you just decide on one thing. <laughs> I'm just going to do it, right? <clears throat> so I'm happy to give lectures that will still be somewhat introductory on Nagarjuna, but um, it means for this Sangha anyway, at least doing the program and you know that we're we're doing more than just generic American Dharma. So congratulations. <coughs> Some people have already started reading uh, the fundamentals of the Middle Way book, right? Who's cracked the book already? Okay. So uh, did, did you start reading the verses first, or did you go to the commentary? Back and forth a little, back and forth. The verses first, yeah. <clears throat> I like the way um, Dr. Garfield, Jay Garfield, has done the book, because the verses are first and the commentary second, which is traditional. American Buddhologists, lots of times, and American students, university style, are going to say, well, we got to read the commentary, you know, the, by American scholar to relate to it. And then if we get around to it, we'll read the original text. That's cheating. Mm -hmm. So we want to read the original text. Uh, we're not going to read it in Sanskrit, unfortunately. But uh, I've read probably six or seven translations of the verses. And... Uh, I just like Jay's, so that's why we're using it. It comes highly regarded. But when we read that, we realize, like, whoa, this is not just a lecture about things, right? This is a really disciplined, 
uh, style of uh, intellectual yoga, right? It's not just kind of, we're just going to tell you in general how things are. It's, it goes very deep and very precise and very short, right? In fact, it's kind of poetic. But we should be reading it and be kind of going, oh, I thought I really knew something. <laughs> but now I see I need to study. Right? So if we read commentaries or uh, homilies from contemporary teachers, they're usually just saying, uh, some sara sucks, it'd be a good thing to do to practice and keep going, right? Something along that line, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, they're not, they're not going to really delve in. They're just going to be telling you some, they're going to be trying to um, get you to start practicing, right? It's a little bit like, uh, you know, like homilies made ad hominem to the person, like, you know, you should do this practice. Just like in other religions, they said, you know, this would be good for you to do this, right? The reading the verses by Nagarjuna uh, is like, uh, we, we're, we're done convincing you that this has to be good to do. Like, right? Like, we're, we're not trying to talk you into doing this at this point. You want to find out how the mind and phenomena actually work. We don't have to convince you that's a good thing. We don't have to convince you that life is suffering and there's a, you know, like that. We just look and say, well, how do we do this? How do we get out of a burning house? So we don't have to convince you at this point, right? Hopefully. <laughs> so uh, everybody can uh, uh, read the book, but then for people doing the program, there'll be documentation. I'll, I'm going to ask some difficult questions. So and expect a, an essay, right? And then before you know it, we'll be reading the next book. Yeah. So the four sections are like the view, so we're study. The view is just telling you how it is, right? So the view, lots of times, is just words, right? You know, of course it's realized non-conceptually, but even pointing out instructions by teachers like direct, so uh, Garab Dorje's three essential points, direct pointing out the nature of mind, that's, we're using word, sentence, right? So, I have the view. And then meditation. Meditation is the actual yoga training, the shamatha practice, you know, the vipassana practice, the Nidhi Yoga practices and Mahamudra and Dzogchen. We're actually going to be reading the practice manuals. Okay. I probably won't be going into that like Monday nights because that's a little bit more difficult, right? And uh, it, the assumption by the teachers and yogis that wrote them is that you will have already studied the view and you had already have. Uh, <coughs> taken refuge and de developed bodhicitta and have some and have uh, doing guru yoga too. But we might cover a little bit. Like I just make everybody that I've ever run into read uh, Calming the Mind, right? Um, Genlarupa's book on shamatha meditation. 
It's amazing how few recordings of retreats there are, right? So uh, that book, um, sometimes called Shamatha Beginning, for his publication is, is just a recording of a retreat that um, Yen Lam Rinpa, which is like his nickname, uh, did. And Alan Wallace, the Buddhist teacher, transcribed it and wrote it down, right? You don't see a lot of, like that, right? It's rare, isn't it? We think, God, there'd be tons of these, wouldn't there? Yeah. Um, but uh, there is some, but generally they're, they're not published, right? They're kept within secret sangha. So, that part will go over exoterically because shamatha is a common practice. Mindfulness and stability and tranquility is a common practice among all the lineages. And it's not necessary to have made formal vows to do it. However, the expectation is that you, you will have done that. So you're motivated by um, bodhicitta. So I will go over that. Then third, we're going over ethics and the precepts and how to run an organization, um, how to uh, apply. So that's called like action. Action is how you take the training you've received and you try to apply that in a daily life. Like how do you get along with others? Then, then fourth is going to be conduct. Conducts our whole life, which is different than just applying things, like what kind of life are you living? So debate and rime uh, tradition, looking at all the different uh, presentations of dharma from different points of view. <clears throat> but what, what holds all of these four together um, is uh, the guru yoga. In our tradition, we believe that our teachers are actually like living Buddhas, right? So we believe that uh, we, we can access the teachings directly. We're not going, uh, we're respecting all the different teachers historically, but we see Buddha Dharma as uh, fresh baked bread, as Trungpa Rinpoche said, mm. <laughs> not stale bread. The bread is not in a museum. We're cooking it and eating it right now. So through the whole process, uh, if we have some confidence and deep understanding and faith that our teacher knows uh, what they're doing, then the, per- the, the ability to uh, progress in the path is uh, heightened. So uh, if we don't trust the teacher uh, after examining the teacher, then uh, we will be uh, moving slower down the path. And my job here is to um, make it easier and faster for you all because tick-tock, right? Tick-tock. Yeah. <clears throat> it is important to examine a teacher uh, and hang out. So I ask people, please hang out for a long period of time before you take refuge. Please talk to uh, other students what their experience is. Please uh, you know, see if uh, the teacher has teachers himself or herself, and if the teacher has colleagues, right? So by now, people should know, like, okay, well, Geshe Damshala and I've known each other now for like uh, <laughs> 10 years, right? Um, and uh, these incredible teachers, even before Donadarge or 
of coming across to Sacramento, um, including you know Chad Gurimshe on some incredible teachers, but all the incredible teachers you've met, right? You should be thinking, well, they wouldn't be coming here if he was a complete idiot. Maybe they're trying to help him, but <laughs> so you know, this is how we look. Like, do you have uh, are there good product? You know, you're doing what you say you're doing. Do you have colleagues? Do you have your own teacher? We check things out, right? And then we have personal darshan. So this is all part of guru yoga. This is obvious to some people here, but guru yoga doesn't mean that. Uh, you're just worshiping uh, a vision of the teacher. It means actually engaging, right? Actual checking it out. So the Dalai Lama says like 12 years. Um, wouldn't it be nice to have 12 years? But some people have checked me out for 12 years. Some people are just starting to kind of hit their stride after about 10 or 12 years. It's true, isn't it? You know, some people are kind of finally going, well, nothing. I seem to be improving after 10 years and Nothing horrible's happened. Maybe I'll try doing it your way. Mm -hmm. Actually, I've had that experience just this year. Like, okay, okay. So, so that's fine. It can take a long time, but once you decide that you're going to do a path, you know, please do it wholeheartedly. So that's what we're going to uh, see throughout the whole four years of the path is that we're going to see that through the Lama mirroring us, we're going to take our own uh, self seriously. We're, we're going to not have uh, this kind of uh, background of uh, self-doubt, self-criticism, flagellation, um, <laughs> prosecution, and uh, grand inquisitor that many people are plagued with in America with their practice, right? So the idea of the Lama Nalja or the Guru Yoga is that by examining some outer person, seeing if what they're if they're walking the talk, seeing if their uh, yogas and their pointing out instructions work, and we start having results in ourselves, we trust ourselves, right? You can't be doing Guru Yoga if you go, well, my Lama's really enlightened, but I'm an idiot. Right? You can't be, that's not Guru Yoga. You can't be going, I don't have doubts about my teacher, but I think I'm, you know, just useless, bad, stupid, and wrong, and can't be helped, right? That's not Guru Yoga. <laughs> so we're doing, we're doing Guru Yoga to the extent that uh, we, we can see that the qualities we see in a teacher that's qualified are, are qualities that we have in ourselves, and we can act on that. Without developing that sense of confidence in ourselves, let alone confidence in the teacher, I doubt whether people will be able to complete the program or continue practicing. So, also, when we really do the deep work and all the difficult karmas come up, uh, we have to uh, have this experience of what's called, call, sometimes called calling the Lama from afar. Right? So, <clears throat> it's of course ritualized and uh, Vajrayana Buddhism, but uh, has anybody here ever been just feeling totally helpless and you think, well, I can't even meditate anymore. I'm just so, in fact, you know, and I just kind of like, I'm done, but we, we call out to our teachers or we call out to someone who, who really love us and then uh, we're able to 
we connect with our goodness. That's the Guru Yoga that really goes deep, right? So if we're doing the practice correctly, actually, we get to a point uh, akin to, uh, somewhat akin to kind of uh, a complete emptying out experience where you feel you don't know shit. (laughs) And, uh, you know, of course, you know, Mila Repa experienced that, and uh, very famously, and I tell the story of Maitreya, Asanga Maitreya, who just uh, gave up but still had uh, the love and the connection with the teacher, right? Something is so hard uh, with being human beings that uh, we, we feel like we still got to try to uh, grasp space, right? You know, it'd be like, you know, if someone was going like this, which you can see if you ever go to, like, locked psych facilities, like Crestwood or something, you know, someone's doing this. And I said, what are you doing? I said, well, they're trying to hold on. Seriously. Like, what, what are you doing? Or someone's kind of going, I'm trying to get away, right? And you'd say, well, how can you? You can't push space to one side, right? Can you hold on to space like that, right? Can you? So when we see it, when with people that unfortunately have severe schizophrenia or psychosis, we go, well, that's, you know, ridiculous. But actually, we're doing that, right? We're doing that on a level. We're saying, I want to I wanna hold on to space. And that's the last thing I have to hold on to is the open dimension of awareness. So the last thing I want to do is give that up. Right, but you've got to give it up. <laughs> so uh, the guru principle uh, isn't just uh, a, a person thing; it's really fundamentally staying present to our own lived personal experience. That's the inner lama, right? Our naked, our own. What does Rinpoche call our own naked awareness? It's the most difficult thing to just say, just stay with your own lived experience. Because what people want is they want explanations of how they got there, right? That is called fabricated practice. We have to do it in a way so that we completely go through all the fabricated practices until we just give up. As long as you think there's still going to be an explanation that's going to set you free, you'll be entrapped, right? You have to become, you have to thoroughly exhaust the small mind. We call it thoroughly exhaust the thinking that fabricated practice will save you. So we can't just say ahead of time, like, I've heard that fabricated practice uh, won't save me, so I'm just not going to do it. I'm just going to but you still, you're holding it in the back here. You have to become totally exhausted. You have to know, you have to know the limits of uh, explanation, the limits of intellect, the limits of cause and effect practice. Because cause and effect practice, if we just say, well, I'm not doing that, I'm doing unmediated, direct mind-to-mind over here, the cause and effect world, the explanation world, is just lurking like an addict. It'll just say, yeah, well, when you're really tired of just looking at nature mind, 
come back to the world of explanation, and I'm your buddy. So we have to thoroughly look for it, right? The biggest explanation that we have to go after, the biggest secondary phenomena, uh, is our sense of identity, our sense of personal self. That's a big explanation. It just feels so real because we've given the explanation over and over and over that it feels like, well, I'm, I must exist because I've talked about myself enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, right. so we, we have to thoroughly examine and wear it out. <clears throat> People don't drop things until they, it wears out. Until they're just too tired. Like, I'm... I'm you know, it's like, people don't leave marriages really until, really, they might break up, but they're still mad. They don't really leave until you just go, I'm done. Right? Anybody ever had that experience with someone like, I'm done. Don't, don't have the energy to argue anymore. You know, I'm, just, I'm done. Right? Then, then you are done, right? You still say, I'm mad, or he should have done this, or they should have done this, or she should, you know. Then you're not done, right? But when you're done, you're just like, like a dead body, right? I'm done. <laughs> like that. So we have to actually see the limit of intellect, almost kind of Kantian, right? You have to really, really see, do everything until you finally get that, I'm done. And then we still need someone to say, hey, look at yourself in the mirror. That's our reflection. So this is the process of actually doing the practice. And that's why even when we're doing fabricated practice, we have to develop the ability to trust the person that's going to be there when we're finally done that will say, hey, look, it's just a reflection. Right? Otherwise, we won't be ready to hear it and the person won't be there. So if you don't start with the teacher, you know, somewhat towards the beginning in our tradition, the teacher won't be there when you're finally worn out and ready to really look at your experience. It's very difficult if you've done a lot of practice uh, by yourself, which is very American, which in a way is good, do it yourself. But you've done a lot of practice, and then you say, well, okay, uh, I, I think I've attained some insight and maybe a realization, and then I'm just going to go check it out or get someone to confirm my enlightenment for me. <laughs> Seriously. So what do you think? You think if you've done like a lot of practice, and then you kind of like go, well, I'm just going to find a teacher and meet with them a few times, and they'll go, yes, you've got it, yes, okay. You think that's going to happen? <laughs> I'm not going to do it for you, you know, and I don't know any competent teacher that would. They'd go, nice. They would say nice. Or they might say, you're an idiot, but, you know, go over and sit there for 10 more years, right? <laughs> or 12 or something, right? So, so, the teacher needs to examine us for a long time too, right? Maybe some people are very, of course, there are people that have done a lot of training, uh, but uh, we don't just sell things, you know, we're not just say, yeah, you've got it, okay, bye. You know, so they're going, going to test, right? Even the wonderful teacher that um, book some of you have read, Words of My Perfect Teacher, Paltaram Shea, had already done lots of practice realization. I can't remember now, but he went to see this incredible teacher, and the teacher just made him wait. We've heard stories like that, right? 
go to see a wonderful teacher, and the teacher makes you wait. And the first or second day, you think, well, that's cool, of course. It's going to make me wait, right? Because, you know, that's the ritual, and he's just knowing, he or she is just making sure I know how the you know, process, the game goes. How long would we wait? So you go to see a wonderful teacher, and uh, the attendant comes out and goes, um, Rimshay's uh, in retreat now, and you know he's not seeing anybody, right? You travel long distances, and, and you go, oh, Rimshay's in retreat, and go, huh, oh, okay. And then um, you think, well, that's great, he's on retreat. But then people start coming and going. <laughs> And you go, wait a minute, I thought he was on retreat. Yeah, he's on retreat, but he's just seeing these people. And you're meanwhile sitting out there, you know, like that. What, how, how long would you sit there? You know, just kind of wait, a week, two weeks? How long would you go? How, would, how long would you stay there? Was he finally going, well, I can't be much of a teacher, making me wait, and all these other kind of obviously unenlightened people are coming and going, bringing offerings, and, you know, I can hear parting going on inside or something. You know, know, would you just go, okay, how how long would you stay, right? So there are people that have, have gone through that process, right? They've had very deep experience, but still their teachers, well, we, we, we don't know you yet, right? So, you know, we're not going to go back to your apartment on the first date, right? We're gonna, mm-hmm. You might be really good looking and desirable, but we're going to get to know you. So Real Guru Yoga's teacher and student get to actually know people uh, like on just a regular life basis, right? That's important. So then by that time, by the time uh, someone's done enough practice where they've exhausted fabricated practice, exhausted dualistic mind, then the teacher can do the pointing out instruction and there's the relationship, it's built up like that. There's, there's some, you know, real quality. Let's have a few questions uh, or complaints and then uh, we can take a short break and then we can have a short meditation. By the way, in our tradition, um, when we get together to do lecture or do ceremony or puja, we, we don't do these real long sittings, you know? And some people will complain, like, I don't think, uh, I don't think Tibetan Buddhists or Vajrayanists do much practice. We just sit all the time in our Zen tradition. No, we, we just, <laughs> this is just extra to the two or four hours you've already done today. Okay, this is just, yeah, we're not, if, if you're coming to lines or anything, this is it. This is my 18 minutes, and this, this is when I'm supposed to have my enlightenment experience, and damn it all, it's not long enough. This is the wrong place for you, right? So we, we do longer things on retreats, but the idea is that you're, you're getting up early and staying up late, uh, or later, whatever, you're not wasting your time uh, at home or even on retreat, and you're doing the long meditations. That makes sense, right? I don't check with everybody, but um, 
you know, I can pretty much tell, like, hmm. So, <clears throat> that's, that's the news. It actually, to do this practice, you have to uh, either get up early or go to bed late. Who, who's the early birds here? See, that's great. Who, who are the late nighters? Yeah, that's great too. You can do either one. <laughs> yeah, you can do either one. But you've got to get it in some way, right? Some people are. Some people are like, I'm practicing between like, you know, 10 and 1 in the morning, you know. Like, that's great. And sure, they sleep in. That's no big deal. But you're, you're getting it done. It, it has not been my experience that people can go away on a retreat seven or ten days and make up for the fact you're not doing long sittings, right? Because then it's kind of like jumping up in the air and you're up for, you're flying for a second, but then you're back down. You had a question in the back. You mentioned something that uh, struck me uh, was you said something like the further along the practice you go, the more your karma comes out or is expressed. I don't think I did your words justice. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You know, just like uh, so many metaphors come from India and cooking or animals and you know, and yoga. So, uh, I guess when you're, you've, you're like, you, if you were making something, you know, beginning practice, you're, you're skimming. Uh, that's fine. Yeah, you're skimming the uh, stuff or the oil or something off the top, right? A little bit, and um, that's good, right? So it has to be calm enough. First of all, the shaman, do you have to be calm enough so you can skim something off that's floating on the top, right? If it's, you know, disturbed, you can't, you can't take a little skimmer, is that right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> but most people think, well, that's it, because then it's, the pot's clear, right? It's a very deep pot, and you look in and go, okay, looks, looks good. So that's where most people stop, right? And then we could say, then, then they're pulling whatever, you know, the water, or they're pulling whatever soup or something, ladling it out of the pot, and it looks pretty good until you get down to the bottom, right? What's at the bottom? There's the gunk, yeah, the gunk. <clears throat> so I guess either with wine or with milk, there's stuff from the bottom, right? The, 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 the kind of easygoing shit flows to the top, but the real bad stuff goes to the bottom. Okay? So, you know, a lot of times people are surprised. They go, you know, I just had like 10, 12 years of really great practice here, or 15 or 20 or something. Because they skimmed up, they got the top cleared out, and they're just, you know, doing this. But then they get down there and, you know, this, like the gunk. So there are different ways to deal with that. Um, uh, we have we have gunk yoga to deal with that. <laughs> 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 uh, the, uh, 
you know, they, there's there's other ways in different styles of teachers, which is you know to like uh, initially you know like maybe a little bit calm, but then initially stirring the pot. So you know right away you get down there and you're you're you've got your little stir and you're you're hitting the bottom of the pot right. So. Uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, you're, you're, you're ladling out your karmic bullshit the whole time, right? And so a lot of people go, the practice is hard, this practice is hard, I can't do it anymore, the practice is hard. But actually, because it's been stirred up initially, after the last ladle, it's gone. You don't hit the gunk because you've, you've kind of gotten down there with your scraper. Anybody worked as a dishwasher like I have, you know? <laughs> and, you know, it's like, scrape, scrape. So, you know, like, it's already, it's already been all taken care of. That actually is easier practice. You know, that, that's, that's how, uh, in the long run, it's easier. That's how, you know, uh, my root lineage teacher taught. Like first time he went and goes, "You're an idiot." <laughs> already done a lot of practice, you know, like twelve, thirteen years. You know, you're an idiot. You know. <laughs> I'm repeating it because on different occasions that was repeating. You know, that's just stirring everything up right off the bat, right off the bat. So it was easier in a lot of ways because even though there was, I can't say there wasn't gunk at the bottom, but I didn't like all of a sudden get this surprise where many people, their practice is just kind of ladling because they've got the top layer off and it looks like that's it and then they hit it. I think that's harder practice myself, right? Uh, Because usually at that time we think, well, the teacher has been bullshitting us or I've done something wrong. But it's just a different style. Pulling the bandit off slowly. Yeah, yeah. It's a different, different style. Right. So you have to think, which one would you rather have? <laughs> I don't know, right? <clears throat> but yes, so uh, generally, even generally, there's always going to be some kind of stuck point, um, uh, and the best stuck points are the ones we don't expect, right? So there's always going to be something like, "I didn't see this coming." Well, sure you didn't, because you've hit it way back there the whole time. Um, but uh, when when we've developed all along some kind of confidence, uh, even in a conditional way, some kind of confidence, then when we do hit that wall, we we do know what to do. We don't quit then. Uh, so my question's in regards to the four-year program. Um, has the ship ship left the port, so to speak? When does the four the four-year program start, and is there yeah. overlapping? Overlapping. That's kind of my question. Yeah. So uh, I, I talked about it, Sagadawa, and then birthday. I'll just some people signed up, and some people already quit because <laughs> they read <laughs> read the verses. Uh, so that's yeah. 
<laughs> That's good. Yeah, second <laughs> waiting list, you know, so like that. Um, so read, you know, uh, what's what's the ten, the ten? What's it called? The ten percent something? There's the ten percent improvement. There's little kind of, you know, New Age Buddhism, right? That's good. You know, some of it's good. Okay. So uh, I'll, I'll put out, you know, a preliminary curriculum. So like that. But in any case, you know, people are going to be joining as you're going along. But uh, it, it, the program really is just for refuge students. People have made some kind of commitment, some kind of surrender. So they're saying, okay, I'm willing to have my pot stirred a little bit. If your Lama doesn't give you a hard time uh, at first, you'll get it later. So, you know, actually, I was glad to get it right from the start. Okay, this is how it's going to be. Okay. <laughs> so all my teachers actually been like that. Like, oh, first time I met Trungpa Rinpoche, like 1971, or it's just like I raised my hand and, and, and then, like, just in front of everybody, he goes, um, you're a college boy, you just think too much. I thought it was a brilliant question. Right? You, you know, you, just, you think too much. That was the answer to the question. I was thinking, well, that was a great question. You could have given me at least an honest answer. Of course, it wasn't on the I did think too much. Like that, right? Okay, one last question, then we take break, and Dirk can leave meditation. Okay, good. You're uh, wincing. Pardon me? You're wincing. Wincing? Yes. Wincing? Mm -mm. Okay. Mm. My question? I might be frowning, but I'm not wincing. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> 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 it was the Mahamudra, the Ganges text. Yes. If we get stuck on one, we just think about it? If you get stuck on... One on, line. Should you think about it? Just think about it. Well, uh, that's a good question. So that's kind of like, you know, what happens when we're... What do we do when we're stuck? That's a profound question. So I can't answer that, you know, all in this one sitting. But basically, uh, uh, when we're stuck, we should, you know, throw everything at it. But lots of times, you know, uh, we do need advice. So we go and ask the teacher, I'm feeling stuck, what should I do? So that's it. In our tradition, we don't do kind of cowboy stuff. So we, we actually go, well, I'm stuck, and what do you suggest? If we ask, what, like, what do I do if I'm stuck, and you go to your teacher, then you should actually try to do what they tell you. That's <laughs> like, you know, it is not consult time. If we're really stuck, 
right? You know, like we break down in the middle of the desert, then whoever comes along, we're going to take their, you know, we're not going to say, well, I'm not getting, you know, you're not getting any help except from this one person. You're going to take their advice, right? So stuck is a good way of, real stuck is you're, we're out of options. We surrender. We, we're, we've done with fabricated practice. We're, we're, we're out of, we're out of looking brilliant. You know, pulling o- pulling over kind of little stuck is kind of like we're temporarily got our garden hose kink. We just kind of want it. We get want to get a little tweaked and then move on. But stuck is really that. It, I'm looking for students that get stuck. I hope you're stuck on one of the Mahamudras. Like I, that would be I, good. I, stuck. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Okay, that's it's kind of thrilling. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. So you know that that guy that went uh, walk in the wilderness and got his arm stuck and had to chop it off. Yeah. So that, that's somewhat like um, how vajjana actually works. Tantra actually works. You, you're going to have to give something up. That's that part we don't like. You say, well, I just want to get kind of unstuck and then be on my way. But actually, we we have to give something up. To be unstuck. Isn't that true? Yeah, we know it's true. You know, it's like if the, if the plane's not getting off, you know, what Indiana Jones, right? <laughs> what was the, I don't know which one, you know, but he's in the Amazon and he's stolen this thing and then he's running and the natives are firing at him and the guy's like on his plane. You got to throw stuff overboard if you can't get lift, right? You know, so like that. So real stock means you've, you're, you're going to have to kind of say, well, I thought I needed this, but it's, I don't need it. Yeah, so it's going to be letting go of something, giving something up. That's nice, isn't it? I think, well, I, don't, I thought I needed that. I've been carrying it around with me the whole time, and I thought I really needed that. But funny thing, I'm stuck, so... Someone says, well, just, you know, throw that. How do you feel like, what is it? Uh, uh, Marpa gathered a lot of gold, gold dust. Maybe maybe this huge, like this amount, you know, to take to uh, um, go see Narapa. And... uh, you know, usually, okay, you offer some gold to your teacher. Has anybody other than me ever done that? I've actually done that, you know? So it feels different. Like, oh. um, and then usually the teacher would go, okay, thank you very much, and put it down. <laughs> and who knows, who knows what Naropa did? To toss it in the air. Wouldn't you kind of go like, it took me five years to get that, right? You know, so... It's like Europa just everything's gold to me. Would you would you think that would be letting go of something? Yeah, I would. Okay. So let's take a little break and then Dirk can ring the bell and you can sit for another two hours if you want, that's okay. But maybe just you you should be able to train to like eighteen minutes 
where you're doing very powerful practice, right? So in our tradition, uh, you know, it's like we're, we're, we actually train kind of by wind sprints, right? So do intense six minutes, then intense 12, then intense 18, then intense 24, before you go to real long practice. Otherwise, in our tradition, we just think you're just sitting there for most of the time like a log. Okay, so, uh, you know, we don't put a virtue in just kind of sitting through, you know, people say, well, I'm just going to sit with it. No, we don't sit with it. You know what I mean? We just, so we're actually continually applying, not over applying, but there's a level of intensity even in shamatha practice. So you work up to it. Could we run 18 minutes, right? So you want to think, like for whatever short period of time, you're really putting a lot of intensity. And then after you kind of get through that kind of barrier, then, then there's longer sitting, right? Because then the teachers will think, well, okay, you're not just going to sit there and drift or sit there and sink, right? A little preachy today. Do you think too preachy today? Okay. All right. So thank you. See you on the 30th, right? Okay. This has been a Lion's Roar Dharma Center recording. For more information, visit lionsroardharmacenter.org.